Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. We are here today with a very special guest. I'm so excited. We have Jennifer Thurms here, an author, illustrator. Hi, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me, Julie. Oh, I'm so excited. So Jennifer, you are actually our first author, illustrator. So this is like, yay, I'm so excited. So Jennifer, tell us about yourself. What do you write? Well, I'm, like you said, an author illustrator. And right now I'm focusing a lot on nonfiction picture books, mostly because I love history and biographies. And well, to start way back, I started out in graphic design and then sort of segued into doing map illustration. And over the years have figured out how to weave those into my stories. So the book that just came out, Grandma Gatewood's Hikes the Appalachian Trail, intersperses a lot of maps with illustrations in telling the story. And I did that with my Darwin book too. So that's really what I'm focusing on right now is are the nonfiction picture books. What do you think are the distinct advantages of letting both images and the words tell the story? Well, you know, when it's one person doing both, it's much easier to balance back and forth between the words and the pictures. So like the pictures can show a lot that I don't really have to spell out with the words. And it's funny because I I started out as an illustrator and it took a long time for me to think of myself as a writer as well. But but really, they're both different ways of telling a story. So again, you, you, normally, I mean, if you're just the author or just the illustrator, the editor kind of melds things together. It's just easier to do it all when you're the same person. I'd imagine. <laughs> Oh, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it totally does. And it, and it does. It takes away that awkward, you know, when you're doing a picture book, you're, you know, you, you know, you can't use too many words. So, right. But also editors are brilliant at pairing authors and illustrators. And so like there, there are many, many benefits to that too. And it's just that I've happened to fall into doing both. But that said, I love illustrating other people's manuscripts as well, because it's, it's using a different part of my brain and it's it's actually a little more relaxing than <laughs> than the pressure of the words and the research and and the pictures on top of everything. Do you prefer to be an illustrator? Do you prefer to be an author illustrator? What feels best to you in the moment? You know, I love all of it to tell you the truth. I mean, right now I'm deep into a new manuscript that I'm actually just started final art on and I've been working on it for about a year so I'm totally obsessed with that and loving that but thinking ahead to oh it might be relaxing to illustrate somebody else's work next too so it really I, I just love the variety of all of it because every project you get to approach with a different part of your brain and I can give the writing part a rest while I'm working on the visual parts of something else and then sometimes I get so much into the visual that I can't think of words to 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 talk about, to, to describe the whole process. So you have a brand new book, Grandma Gatewood Hikes the Appalachian Trail. And I've heard that's doing really, really well. And that's, you wrote that, you wrote and illustrated, you have Charles Darwin, Around the World Adventure, which I'm going to say, because I noticed you didn't say, it made the 2017 Notable Social Studies trade book for your young people list. Yes, it made it onto that list. Yeah. 
It made the 2017 Outstanding Science Trade Books for Students K-12 list. And it made Amazon's Best Children's Book of the Year for the 2016 list nonfiction. Uh, yes. Yeah. Those are things like, you should lead with that. You should be like, look at me. I know. I know. <laughs> I know that's not you. That's why I said it. So, I mean, do you feel more pressure after winning those awards? Well, those, I mean, they're not necessarily, they're not really awards. They're, they're on a list that goes to, you know, teachers and educators. And so it's, yes, it's very fulfilling to be on those lists and, and quite an honor. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But, but I would say that, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to go back and do the work and think about the next book, too. So I'm I don't know. I get so obsessed with the work part of it that all that other stuff is really great. And it it, it pumps you up to keep going. But the, the act of doing the work, I think, is the most fulfilling thing to me. And just knowing that, you know, the books are connecting with readers is is really awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. The teacher in me loves all this stuff. Um, just going through some other books. I mean, this is the coolest. You got to do Little Author in the Big Woods, the biography of Laura Inglis Wilder. You did Bear and Bird. There's, there are no moose on the island. Helen Keller's best friend, Belle. I mean, so you're just jumping all over the place when it comes to you know your style and the cool stuff that you're working on tell us about what medium you like best what artistic medium well i work in um, pencil and watercolor and just really end up building up layers going back and forth with that i finally feel like i'm sort of hitting my stride with my style i mean i i think it just takes hours and hours and hours of work for your style to evolve. And it's interesting, you mentioned all those books. And for a long time, I was only getting work illustrating other people's stories before I got back into writing my own. And finally, just a light bulb went off like, yes, nonfiction, <laughs> writing and illustrating. And it sort of brought together all of the things I love, which are history and research. And, and then, of course, the writing and illustrating part of it. I love that so much. We talk about that a lot at the Manuscript Academy, how sometimes it takes a long time and many different paths to figure out your true voice or what you should be doing daily, you know, when it comes to like, what is your, what is your superpower? Well, yeah. What's your, what's your strength and what makes your work uniquely yours? And it's funny because I think sometimes having been doing it for so long, I, sometimes the thing that you end up being really good at is not the thing that you wanted to do to begin with. I mean, I spent years writing fiction manuscripts and illustrating them, and they just sort of weren't hitting it. And, you know, finally, the nonfiction just seemed to work. For years, I worked with the maps and was trying to find a way to combine the maps into a story, and I just couldn't do it. And then the Darwin idea was like, yeah, why? Why not try this? <laughs> oh, I love the Darwin book so much. So when you read the Darwin book just for um, listeners, it's kind of like falling into a world where the details in the world are so incredibly rich that you can look at it and look at it and look at it, and then you'll see something new. And so it's definitely one of those books that you, you want to find a child. You want a child to sit next to you, and you want to take it in together. I mean, that's kind of my take on, on that book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I like adding the details because then I think you can reach kids of different ages as well. I mean, you know, the text in that book is for an older child, but but I, I like to think that young kids can look and find different details in the in the illustrations. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us, um, you talked a little bit about your process. So where do you even start, and how long does a typical book take to complete? Where do I start? Well, <laughs> it's. My process is messy, but I think probably everybody says that about their process. I mean, um, 
you know, I'll find a subject that I'm interested in. And sometimes I'll just jot down an idea that remains in my sketchbook for years and years before I figure out what to do with it. And in the case of nonfiction, I'll start to read a little bit about that person or that subject to see to see if it really resonates with me, because you really have to fall in love with the person or the subject because you're going to be spending years with it <laughs> once once you really get going. You know, I do I do see what else is out there, what else has been published on that subject, especially with nonfiction. And then, you know, it's it's a combination of research, writing, drawing until somehow a dummy melds together. I'd love to say that I write the whole story first and then illustrate it, but it just every book sort of has its own way of coming out of you. And so it's really sort of a messy back and forth between the words and the pictures. I, you know, I've seen your sketchbook and I would say it's not messy. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you haven't seen the ones that I don't show anybody. <laughs> On that note, give us tips for hitting the emotional core to a nonfiction story. You know, I do feel like you're writing for the, the child inside yourself. I mean, you've, you as an author or illustrator have got to connect with that subject somehow. There's got to be something about them that resonates and you really have to fall in love with them. And I always feel like if, if you feel excited about it that much, somebody else is bound to feel that way as well. You know, think about your audience. I mean, you're writing for kids. So what, what about that subject would a child find interesting? I do think you do this really well. Just thinking about Grandma Gatewood, you know, the whole idea of we've all, you know, kids have heard about people hiking the Appalachian Trail, <laughs> but a true story about a grandma doing it at 67 is pretty, it's, it's remarkable. It's it's completely remarkable. And she's she's my inspiration. Every time I hit a rough spot in my writing now, I think, well, if Grandma Gatewood could hike all those miles, then I can certainly write this book. Oh, my gosh. I love that. But, you know, for her, I, I just thought she's not childish, but there's something childlike about her. And just the idea that she undertook this crazy adventure, I, I just thought kids would really connect with that. Let me read this, your book blurb. Emma Gatewood's life was far from easy. In rural Ohio, she managed a household of 11 kids alongside a less than supportive husband. One day at age 67, she decided to go for a nice long walk and ended up completing the Appalachian Trail. With just the clothes on her back and the pair of thin canvas sneakers on her feet, Grandma Gatewood hiked up ridges and down ravines. She braved angry storms and witnessed breathtaking sunrises. When things got particularly tough, she relied on the kindness of strangers or sheer luck to get her through the night. When the newspaper got wind of her amazing adventure, the whole country cheered her to the end of the trek, which came just a few months after she set out. A story of true grit and girl power at any age, Grandma Gatewood proves that no peak is insurmountable. It's so good. And when you say girl power at any age, I think I got a little teary. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and I think especially as we get older, like we can relate to that. So let me ask you another question about this book in particular. I see that it is 48 pages and that's not standard. Right. It's longer and that. That was really the publishers said, go for it. It was the same with Darwin. I tried to work it into 40 pages and then it expanded to 48. And fortunately, my publisher is very open to... Um, you know, whatever you need to tell the story, whatever length you need. I can feel author illustrators all over just breathing a sigh of relief hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't happen with, with every book. I mean, I just happened to have that kind of good relationship and they, they were really into the story and they were like, yes, do it, go for it. You know, whatever whatever way you can tell, best tell the story and, and page length certainly has a lot to do with that. But I have to say, even with 48 pages, there's so much information that 
didn't make it into the story. And I mean, that's the same with every nonfiction book, I'm sure. Putting all that information in doesn't necessarily make it a better story because it still has to be entertaining, even though it's nonfiction. But that's that's what keeps me up at night is the stuff that didn't make it into the book. Like, because <laughs> I see the whole story in my head, but, you know, is it conveyed on paper well enough for kids? Um, so I hope I hope so. <laughs> so I'm going to, this is, I almost know the answer to this because I've seen you on social media and I know that you pretty much work all the time, but what do you do with your free time? I mean, I am so fortunate that I've been really busy the last couple of years and I've, I've pretty much had back-to-back um, books going on. So I really don't have much free time and I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely trying to find that work-life balance. Um, but the thing is, like, I love my work and I mean, I'm happiest when I'm doing it. And so the deadlines don't bother me at all. Um, I mean, I like to garden, but my garden's a mess right now because I'm on another big deadline. And and this sounds really strange, but even though I draw all day for a living, I love to draw. So I do that when I relax, too. So um, it's like you're in the vortex of doing exactly what you should be doing. It just goes back to that same thing. Like, it's so cool that you would draw on your downtime. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, I happen to be in a good, good place right now. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, you know, for years, uh, I struggled to get to this point. So I figure now, now's the time, like, I, I've got these books, and, and somebody wants to publish them. So go for it. Right. And you want to keep that energy going. You want to keep the publishing energy going. There's something about that. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I feel like once you get that momentum, like don't, you know, try not to lose it. And um, yeah, this is what I've been working for, for all these years. And when my kids were younger, I, I didn't have the time to, to dedicate to it. So now, now I do. So sometimes you feel like, you know, I can remember having little kids and thinking, oh, I'll never be able to do this. And, but you really sort of evolve over time. Your career does, and it takes uh, different paths and, and you just sort of have to roll with it. And, and I would say focus, focus on the part of it that you love the most, because there are so many ups and downs in publishing and it's a real long game. So, you know, just focus on the part of it that makes you feel, you know, excited inside. Oh, I love that. I think people say this all the time. I, and I, I, but I love reading what inspires other people to keep going just because it is a long path. Right. It is. We always say it's the people you meet along the way. That That's, that's for me. I mean, my goodness, it's, it's been so much fun. There's something that you learn from everybody you meet along the way, no matter how long you've been doing it. So to me, that's what floats my boat. I mean, I, I just love that part of it. Because you're looking for these really cool, inspirational nonfiction stories, those are the people. It's the writers, it's the illustrators you meet along the way, but it's also these cool people you get to dive into their lives. That's fascinating. I mean, you get to you know, really honor them in a new way. It's funny because as a kid, I, I read a lot of historical fiction and it, it just sort of finally clicked with me after years of writing, trying to write fiction stories that this is, this is really what interests me. And it, it does go back to my childhood interests, but, you know, I couldn't see that for so many years in, in between. Well, I think there's such a great place for it. And I don't think that every kid book should be about kids. They should be for kids. Well, that's the beautiful thing about about children's books is there's such a wide variety of different kinds of stories. It's amazing. It's like I feel like there's a place for every kind of story. It's just you have to find your, your niche there. So what are your tips for getting started in the industry, especially on the illustrator end? Well, you know, f focus a lot on your craft as much as you can. And 
the business stuff will sort of take care of itself. Um, Definitely educate yourself about the business end of things. Join SCBWI, read blogs, look at other people's work and learn from it, but also learn when to sort of shut the world out and focus on improving your own craft. Um, that's, That's sort of a fine line to balance sometimes because you can just look at beautiful, beautiful work and say, oh my gosh, I... I'll never get there, (laughs) but use that as an inspiration and yeah, just write as much as you can draw as much as you can think about always improving your craft, um, self-educate, like go to the library and take out stacks of picture books and, um, use those as sort of mentor, mentor books. I mean, I used to do that a lot. I would take out picture books and even, you know, type up the text just to see like, you know, to separate the words from the pictures and, see what the rhythm was and sort of, you know, teach myself in that, in that sense. I love that. I think that's perfect. And, and, you know, when I look at your work, I definitely see that, you know, you've done your homework, but you are uniquely your own right now, uh, you know, as an artist. And, and that's, that's just, um, you know, what we're all looking for. We don't want to have someone else's voice or someone else's art. We want to really play with, you know, who we are on the page. So I think you've done that really, really well. Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot of people, a lot of illustrators ask, you know, how do you find your style? And I I think it sort of finds you after many, many, many hours and years of practice. You know, to me, that's the goal is to have it be uniquely unique to me, like whatever your strengths are, work to that and make it uniquely yourself. So do you have a favorite illustrator? You know what? I really love people's work where their work is just unique to them. It's like you look at that person's work and you know, oh, that's so and so. That's interesting. I was wondering if you were going to say Garth Williams after the um, Laura Ingalls Wilder book. Well, yeah, Garth Williams too. But but you know, I when I was working on that book, I tried to put him out of my head because it was so intimidating. I mean, how nobody who's going to top Garth Williams? <laughs> <laughs> so Jennifer, tell us where we can find your books. Any online bookstore, or uh, preferably your favorite hometown um, local indie bookstore. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This has been really fun. and Awesome. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to Academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages Podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.